Welcome to this week's Fit for Purpose podcast. This week we're hearing from a slightly different voice. It's the voice of someone who's right at the heart of the NHS. And of course, we've long understood that health inequality and social inequality go hand in hand. So actually, they are one and the same thing if we want to really move forward and get some progress on social mobility and levelling up. We're going to hear from Stephen Eames. He's Chief Exec of the Humber Coast and Vale Health and Care Partnership. Um, he's going to tell us in a second a little bit more about what, what that does as an organisation, but it's fantastic having them part of the Purpose Coalition, working with us on levelling up and the levelling up goals. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about what Humber Coast and Vale Health and Care Partnership is all about, what you do, what area you cover, give people a sense of it as a, an organisation. Well, well, thanks, Justine. I'm delighted to, to, to be with you. Um, yeah, Humber Coast and Vale is essentially a partnership of 28 organisations. Those are health service organisations, local government organisations, and uh, we also work very closely with the uh, voluntary sector, something like 5,000 voluntary sector organisations across our area. And our area covers, it goes from Harrogate to Hull, uh, so a big swathe of the population down the northeastern side uh, of the country. Uh, population is around about 2 million uh, people. Uh, and as far as the NHS is concerned, we're committing in the order of about 2.2 billion um, in terms of spend every year uh, uh, in relation to the people that live in our area. So what is an integrated care system, the health and care partnership that, that we have? Um, this is part really of the uh, changing nature of the NHS, which is moving much more to integrated ways of working, whether that's in a GP neighbourhood, with voluntary sector, primary care, hospital care coming together, whether it's on a bigger footprint in a, a town or a city, uh, like in our case, York or, or Hull, or whether it's on a much bigger scale, like the integrated care system, which covers North Yorkshire and York and the Humber. Um, and our main purpose, our simple mission, I guess, is to improve the health and well-being of the people and the communities that we serve across that broad uh, geography. How many people, as it were, work in that part of the NHS? Obviously, you bring together a much broader partnership, but I guess it's a significant health service and care service that's, that's located in that region. Yeah, absolutely. Around about 57,000 people. Wow. Wow. And a very different geography that you serve. So it'd be good to get a sense of almost the different health challenges in different parts of that region, because they're not all the same, are they? Well, well, they're not. I mean, interestingly, I think the theme of um, health inequalities and social mobility uh, and uh, left behind people actually affects all of our areas because uh, but I, it, it's probably fair to say that there is a greater concentration of health inequalities and wider inequalities uh, in the Humber area around uh, uh, around Hull and North East Lincolnshire but of course if you're familiar with Chris, Chris Whitty's 
uh, annual report this year was focused on coastal communities mm. and mm. it's widely recognized and of course that's coastal communities up and down the country but you're know, in Humber Coast and Vale we've got a few of those you know think Whitby, Scarborough, Bridlington, Skegness. These are communities that you look at any of the indicators around health whether it's cardiovascular disease or whether it's cancer or whether it's some of the, um, uh, the wider inequalities around education, uh, employment and so on. They're at the top end of the scale in terms of needs uh, in relation to, to all of that. So we have a particular challenge and a particular focus on those communities. But of course, uh, it's a mixture in overall terms, this, this part of the world of, uh, of urban and rural uh, mm -hmm. life. Um, and so you've got those inner city challenges that you would see in places like Hull. And you wouldn't think it, but uh, certainly in places by York as well, but the scale mm -hmm. is different. Mm. But the need is still the same. And at the same time, we've got uh, significant challenges in our, in our rural communities, not, not just those coastal communities, but, but some of the, the others. And we've got some of the highest rates of unemployment of young people in the country uh, in our area. And how does that play out in terms of, of health issues then, from your perspective? Well, uh, if you look at any of the top line indicators around um, uh, well-being and, and, and um, things that we ideally want to prevent uh, uh, in terms of longer term um, uh, illness and so on, whether that's um, cardiovascular disease, as I say, whether it's uh, issues with uh, alcohol, whether it's uh, mental health, all of the indicators in many of our communities, the ones that I've mentioned, they're at the higher end of the scale. So your vision is start well, live well, age well, and it very much translates into, as you describe it, a shift of the focus of our work from picking people up when they fall to helping prevent them from being unwell in the first place and supporting people, if you like, to, to keep that health and well-being so they can be at home and getting on with getting on with a successful life. How in practice do you go about getting the partnerships in place to be able to have that more joined up approach that you need if you're going to be able to deliver that? That's what the ICS is very much all about. But for people who are perhaps less familiar with with how how an ICS might work, what's it practically involve you being able to do differently? Yeah. So I, 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 the, the ICS, if you think about Humber Coast Vale, there are something like 140 odd um, neighborhoods, communities, quite small, you, you know, so different parts of different towns, different parts of, uh, of some of our rural areas. So we're looking to build back from those places in our community by bringing together um, the resources that uh, are provided by the health service uh, but they fall into different sectors so the resources of uh, the, the GPs and, and primary care the resources that are in our community services the resources that are in our mental health uh, services and the resources in our hospitals and just on the hospitals uh, the big if you like, the big hitting areas in terms of trying to address the factors you mentioned are uh, 
cardiac disease uh, 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 services we that, that are provided to older people, respiratory care. We're looking to bring the expertise from those areas in our in our hospitals, together with the expertise and breadth of uh, local government across education, employment, business, and so on, and the voluntary sector in populations of anywhere between 25 and 50,000 in some, to concentrate all of those resources to improve the, 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 the health and well-being and the lives of the people uh, in those areas. That's, that's what we're doing locally. As an ICS, 28 organisations, commanding resources of around about um, 2.2 billion, as I said earlier, then we've got big opportunities to make investments uh, where we can make the most difference. Now, uh, one of the policies behind integrated care systems in uh, the, the NHS changes that are coming towards us is about spending money differentially um, to address the, those, uh, the, the, those areas where there are high levels of health inequalities and where we know uh, that, that the incidence of disease and the impact of disease on those communities is most significant. Um, and the other thing that the ICS can do, which I think is particularly important uh, in our relationship with you and, and more generally in our ambition, is to use the collective muscle of those 28 organisations and all uh, that they represent in order to draw inward investment to support that um, agenda around, uh, yeah, I guess what we're all calling levelling up. I suppose through COVID, obviously this has been a health emergency that I suppose has never needed more that kind of partnership model that underpins the ICS. It seems to me there's a lot of as tough and as difficult as COVID continues to be, actually, the, the model of partnership working presumably is one that will stand you in really good stead as this country at some point emerges from that pandemic, because it is key, isn't it, to delivering on levelling up and if you like the health agenda that that goes alongside that. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think that's that's absolutely right. And um you know, if the NHS long-term plan, which is a five-year plan we're all working to, if we were looking at that in the context of uh, the broader socio-economic challenges we have in this area, and we were writing a book about it, the NHS would only be one chapter. Um, so the partnerships are absolutely key because the NHS long-term aims around uh, reducing the incidence of uh, cancer, about uh, people living longer, healthier lives and so on, is entirely dependent on how the health service interacts uh, with wider uh, determinants of health, uh, with local communities, uh, with business and so on, to, to generate better outcomes. So that, that, that's, that's absolutely right. And the business point you just made, I think, is a really interesting one, because it, it certainly my experience talking with a lot of very different businesses thinking about their contribution to levelling up that this issue of employee health and how they can play a role in maintaining good health and helping their employees bounce back when perhaps you know they've, they've not been so well um, that then starts to become a much bigger discussion a more strategic conversation doesn't it and how does the ICS 
pull in those those business voices and, and that ability of business to be part of the solution alongside all those other more perhaps partners that we'd expect you to be working with that you set out earlier earlier on what where's business fit into all of this and is it is it easy to engage business uh, i think it's, we found it reasonably straightforward to engage business um uh, actually really from the earlier you know the, the early outset of um uh, of the integrated care system model so we've got some pretty good relationships with local business um across the ics but to be very specific we we we, we are in the throes of finalizing uh, what we're terming our people plan um, and what we're talking about in that as a central uh, aim is one workforce. Now that means one workforce, so including all of those agencies I just referred to, but also means one workforce as it relates to business. Now, if you think about it, um, there is a lot of business, a lot of businesses in terms of the care sector and care homes and residential care that are privately operated businesses so that's a, that, that's something that's very close uh, to the business that we're in but actually if you look at the humber where we've got um a quite a lot of investment around the free ports and some of the traditional industries there that are now um uh, you, you know redesigning and uh, setting out a new future for themselves we're looking to be very much part of that and i think where we've got really common cause is actually around people uh, because one of the challenges in our part of the world in a big part of our, uh, our area is first of all keeping our talent local uh, and secondly mm -hmm. making humber coast and vale uh, and, and all it, its uh, moving parts, very attractive um, for people to come and work here. So, as an organisation itself, uh, as well as in, uh, but as in all of our organisations, yeah, yeah, yeah. any of our organisations, not not as just yeah. the ICS is more a facilitator of that and yeah, an, yeah. An, an investor in that, um, uh, in in as much as. Uh, we will have significant delegated resources beyond what we've had historically here uh, around the workforce. And after all, if we just look at the NHS angle on this for a moment, there are something like 340 career paths in the NHS. Um, uh, so what we're thinking about is that you are rapidly expanding um uh the apprenticeship arrangements that we, mm -hmm. that we have because in doing that we're actually tackling directly some of the health inequality challenges that we've got for the reason i said earlier that we have a large group of unemployed people in this part of the world and many of them are young people but we wouldn't just target young people obviously but 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 we do um uh, we're very keen to to do that but we're very keen to do that together with industry so there are lo lots of opportunities for us to work together and we are we're not there yet but we're we're, we're looking um to really put together a package uh, across all of the agencies, including uh, business groups uh, from uh, the ICS, and set out a charter. It's one of the things we want to do when, when we formally uh, launch the ICS next April, set out mm -hmm. a charter together around one workforce. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's a really exciting uh, opportunity and one that will make a big contribution, I think, to 
uh, improving health and addressing the socio-economic challenges that we face in this part of the world. And it's a classic win-win, isn't it? Because not only do you need a more diverse NHS that can help people get in and get on in their careers, that's good for you because you don't want to fish in a, an unnecessary small bit of the talent pool. But also, if you can extend some of those careers into those very communities you were talking about where perhaps people haven't necessarily thought about working for the NHS in the past, they haven't necessarily thought about the huge amount of careers it can provide people, then it's it's potentially transformational as a big employer in its own right across, as you say, all those different organisations that make up the ICS. You've got huge opportunities you can extend to that wider talent pool if you think more strategically yourselves about it as you're saying that's what you want to do yeah and if i may be i think that's absolutely right and i i, I and again just looking at it from the nhs's point of view historically i, I you know i don't suppose anybody uh, would um rail against the point i'm going to make but the nhs has not been very good at workforce planning um and uh, i think there's still issues about about that in terms of how that relates back to government policy more generally mm -hmm. but setting that to one side uh well there's a real opportunity for us to step into that space uh and and really create a a, a you know a, a pipeline um across a whole range of diverse roles and, and and jobs um and that becomes ever richer the more we can do that in partnership with with others and particularly business I mean, and it means you can, very can have some you can have some scale as well doing it that way yeah absolutely absolutely so so um uh, that, that's a big area uh, to, to pursue and i think the other area you touched on earlier on is to what extent um are we able to collaborative and collectively pursue common policies you know the biggest killer uh in uh, in in um the, the this particular integrated care system remains smoking related diseases even um, now <laughs> even now even mm. after all um the emphasis that has been and to some extent it's understandable because this, the, 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 the the emphasis the working on this has been going on for many many years but it still remains our biggest challenge so we do have to find new ways of addressing this and some of them are very fundamental issues to un, un, you know to unlock well what better way than to work in partnership with uh you know with our colleagues in other sectors to have common programs uh and you could extend that uh, and we are extending that to things like um addressing the climate challenges that we've mm -hmm. all got which it, of themselves have both health and societal impacts. So there's some really, you know, big ambitions there that that, that we have uh, as this partnership starts to mature. And how do you, because it because it of course makes a huge amount of sense. At the same time, you've got to get that agreement and make sure it, it's something that everyone can buy into. Do you think, and, and I want to come on to all your career paths even, do you think it takes a particular kind of leadership to be able to corral all those quite different organisations, actually, you know, that often have different stresses and strains on them. How how do you how do you lead it as a whole? Would you say, Stephen, effectively? What's what's necessary to do that? Yeah, I, I, it does require 
a completely different style of uh, leadership. Um, I, I, I think you know, the first thing I'd say is it's an approach that needs to be based on mutual respect and mutual accountability, which are very easy things to say, quite hard uh, uh, to, to achieve. Um, uh, and in my experience, um, uh, of course, you, there's, there's a need to achieve common purpose. Now, I think in life generally, and certainly in, in business or in public life like I'm in, um, I don't think you can achieve common purpose through diktat or through policy statements. Um, uh, I, I think common purpose requires, requires a lot of legwork, legwork rather, um, a lot of um, uh, relationship building, a lot of sharing of um, uh, resources, a lot of giving things up, and fundamentally, a lot of trust uh, mm -hmm. between the collective leadership, in this case, across the ICS. So uh, just speaking from a personal point of view, I, I've been involved here for two years. and I think I've spent an awful lot of my time doing those things to create what I think is a, you know, a reasonably sound platform to move some of those things I've been talking about forward in a very positive way. Uh, so investment in um, you know, in relationships uh, and uh, a willingness to, you know, to allow, allow others to take the lead, um, a willingness to give up some things that, you know, you might have wanted to hold on to <laughs> in mm. organisational terms. Um, I, and I think probably more than anything else, as I, as, as I say, my experience, things really start to take shape. And, and, and have positive outcomes when there's, you know, really uh, strong trusting relationships uh, between the people who, who have got the privilege of leading uh, these and other organisations. And I think at the end of the day, if people aren't bought in, then you're better off knowing that because the, old, the only alternative is that you do the old style approach, which is that you just have your plan and assume everyone else is totally bought into it and then people get thoroughly surprised when things don't move in the right direction. And so I think as hard as sometimes getting people around a table to have one, one plan, one set of actions, one set of metrics, you know, it does mean that those debates are sort of front loaded and, and a bit more on the table and transparent. And in a sense, that's what we need now, because if people don't buy in, then you can't just ignore that, can you, I guess? Well, you can't. And I mean, I, I think I, I, it's akin, really, this. There's a couple of other things that are really part of our, I suppose, part of our um, our, our approach and our, our thinking. One is, uh, this is quite hard, actually, with an NHS organisation, which, you know, the NHS is inevitably hierarchical, um, uh, or has been um, uh, in, in all the time I've been in it um, but but this is really about creating a movement so if I come back to the point about our mission mm. uh, very simply about improving the lives of the people who live here well, one of the biggest things we have to do is make an impact on those health inequalities um, and, the, and, and the social mobility that, that, that's at the heart of the purpose coalition uh, you, you know if, if I were to say, well, what's the biggest success factor here? Can we demonstrate in two or three years time, we've made a really significant impact, impact on, on all of that? Well, 
uh, I don't think you'd necessarily do that, do you, by, uh, uh, by traditional business processes, traditional models of leadership. It is really about creating a movement, a focus, a momentum around those things. So I think that's the, the, the second thing I'd say, which is it's sort of, I guess, enshrined in our, and you alluded to it at the beginning, our, our vision really about starting well, living well, aging well. And I would add actually ending life well um, mm -hmm. to that. That sort of um, life course approach is a very different way of working because mm -hmm. what it does, it means you pay more attention perhaps than we've ever done before to children. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, uh, because that, you know, the more, the, the greater difference we can make uh, with younger children. And let's, there are some fantastic opportunities for us working together to do that. The better the longer term outcomes are, uh, obviously. So I, I think it, that's a way of thinking and a way of being that hasn't been the traditional leadership approach, certainly in, in the National Health Service. That's not to say people are not committed to that, but the system yeah. hasn't allowed that to happen. Mm -hmm. These new arrangements, um, if they're allowed to, uh, which so far they have been, to develop uh, and mature, do, does allow a lot of uh, latitude and, and, and flexibility uh, in, in moving in that direction. It's, it's really exciting. And, and I guess just for the last bit of the podcast, just wanted to talk about, you know, your own career journey, Stephen. Um, I mean, you're now in, you know, what sounds like a, a fascinating, but also really important role requires a particular sense of how to, to blend together all those different organizations in that partnership. We Did you always want to go this kind of health, down a health related route or what were you, when you were at school, what were you thinking um, you might be doing as a career ahead of you? Well, there's a really nice little um, connection in all of this. So uh, no, no, when I was at school, I wasn't thinking that at all. In, in, in fact, I mean, I, I think the connection is that uh, I, I do come back, you know, come from a, a pretty um, deprived background initially, in as much I'm from a um, good working class family from, uh, from West Yorkshire. Mm -hmm. But my parents divorced when I was um, 15. I mean, I had two younger sisters, and my mum was obviously devastated by, by all of that. Um, and we had a very difficult time, actually. And that was the time when, uh, you know, so, so I think my career path at that stage was, or, or my path at that stage was through the grammar school I was in, into university, and then I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, mm. But in fact, what I did do as a result of all of that, I was given an opportunity, you know, I underline that, given an opportunity by a, I think a fa fairly forward looking person when I think about it now, um, in, in the local hospitals to, and I joined um, a training scheme there. I spent uh, around about three years, and this is, this is at the age of 16, by the way, because uh, I, I, I left school, not that I wanted to, but I felt I needed to, to support the family situation, uh, given that opportunity. And that's the key to my career because I fell in love with it. I, I, I spent, uh, you know, I had experiences in all parts of uh, the, the then health service, and that led me into a career which has been 
multifaceted. I've worked all over the country. The last 30 odd years I've worked at the chief executive level. Um, and for, I suppose, the last, for the most part, the jobs that I've done at chief executive level have been the most challenged in the, uh, in, in the NHS. I've been the go-to person uh, for those difficult places. And what you find in those difficult places, it's the system. It's not just the hospital that might be in trouble mm -hmm. or the mental health service that might be in trouble. It's actually the system and the context and the, and the, the longer term solutions are all about um, strategies that bring uh, all of those elements together um, and, and uh, think about the whole of, uh, of the area, including what's happening in the local, you, you know, the local um, societal context, as I guess we put it now, um, and, and trying to make sense of that, um, uh, you know, to, to, um, to get good outcomes. And that comes back to that point earlier about about the importance of partnership and people and do you think you've been good in your you know one of the things you've learned how to do is to go into some situations that have been challenging and almost needed to be sorted out but you've been able to really galvanize people and bring them together around a bit of a mission on achieving that I, I, absolutely and I, what i would always say uh, is is that it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, are and how particularly bad they might be regarded or they look they're never quite that bad and actually there are always um there are always strong individuals and particular things that might be going on that it's really important to seek out and support um because the answers are usually always there Mm. and if you were looking back you know obviously it sounds like it sounds like you know there was almost a, a a shock if you like for your your formative years um when your parents yeah. divorced and and in a sense that that then really you know shaped a lot of what happened later but if you if you'd been giving some advice back to a you know a much younger Stephen, perhaps now with all of that experience you've already got in your your career, what do you think it would be? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, do you know what I think it probably would 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 have been? Um, you can go a bit slower than you are going where you want to be <laughs> because i think one of the things that that you know it's it's you read about this don't you know that when you read other people's um life stories in their autobiographies and so on i, I had quite an adverse um period then um which i didn't really recognize then as much mm. as you do when you look back um but there's only two ways to go uh, i i i guess uh, and i went I guess the right way in as much as I was really driven uh, to deal with what I thought were some of the injustices of what happened in our lives. I mean, my, mm -hmm. you know, being divorced um, in the late 60s, early 1970s wasn't a great, you know, being a divor divorcee, should I say, wasn't mm -hmm. a great place to be. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, um, you, you, you know, um, and it was a very difficult time uh, for my mum. And uh, I, I mean, I, my, my father had disappeared off the scene and there was nowhere to be found. So that, that was the sort of scene. Mm 
Um, so um, that, that I, I think that that, that, that gave me a, a lot of you know drive to to make you know to make something of myself. Mm -hmm. uh, did you feel a little bit like you needed to step into those shoes in, in a way and provide a bit of leadership and and you know be someone that the wider family could rely on? I, I, it was absolutely that, and then that grew into something else. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think it's fair to say that that, that I was going at hundred miles an hour in, in, in that ambition then, and I probably could have gone a bit slower. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, but you know, all with the benefit of hindsight. And have you ever had any brilliant experience that somebody's given you that you thought, oh yes, that's a good a nugget that you you can pass on to to the wider podcast audience listening to this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, uh, somebody I used to work for a long time ago um, uh, gave me a really good piece of advice that has stuck with me, um, which which he said. Um, uh, it, this is in the context of career advice, but he, which he said. Um, be yourself mm -hmm. so uh, uh and uh, you know don't, don't don't try to be anything else just be i suppose you would say be as authentic as you as you can be and I, that sort of stuck with me um and served me well excellent i think that's a brilliant place on which to to finish if you if you can be yourself then you can be your best um Stephen Eames it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the podcast we're just delighted to be able to work with Humber Coast and Bell ICS really looking forward to next year um and thanks for your leadership on the leveling up agenda I think it can make a real difference so thanks for being on the podcast thank you very much